what we're going to do is we're going to look at Scripture. And folks, this is Scripture. I want you to understand this. And we're going to look at three types of worship that God hates and the type of worship that God loves from the Bible. And, and I want you to see this in the text. I'm Celeste Montague. Welcome to Dare to Stand, a radio ministry of Northwest Valley Baptist Church in Glendale, Arizona, featuring the teaching of senior pastor Dr. Kevin Shaw. Dare to Stand is on the radio to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ to all who will listen, to carefully teach the truth of God's Word, and to encourage a healthy lifestyle of worshiping and honoring God. For more details about Dare to Stand or the ministry of Northwest Valley Baptist Church, please visit www.daretostand.org or call the church at 623-581-3115. You can receive a free MP3 copy of today's message or the entire series in MP3 format for a small fee by contacting the church. Well, last week we began a new Bible study series with Dr. Shaw on the subject of worship. The Lord has much to say throughout the Bible about how we are to worship Him. Are we worshiping Him the way He wants us to, from the heart? Let's listen as we bring you part two of a message titled, Real Worship About the Heart. And Dr. Shaw tells us about worship that God hates, as well as worship that pleases Him. Here's our teacher to pick things up where we left off last time as Jeroboam, the leader of the 10 northern tribes of Israel, is contemplating how to get the southern tribes to join up with him as he fears for his life and wants to gain political power too. The Bible is filled with lots of drama. Here's Dr. Shaw. Here's what he says. God's just preserved him. God has just preserved him from destruction. And here's what he says in verse 25. Then Jeroboam built Shechem in Mount Ephraim. That became his capital. And he lived, he dwelt therein, and went out from thence and built Penuel. And Jeroboam said in his heart, now shall the kingdom return to the house of David. He's, he's in his heart and he's thinking, oh no, they're going to go back. This kingdom has just departed from the house of David. They're going to go back and they're going to start following Rehoboam again. Well, why are they going to do that? Why is he so worried that they're going to do that? He says, if this people, verse 27, go up to do sacrifice in the house of the Lord at Jerusalem, then shall the heart of this people turn again unto their Lord, lowercase l, that's speaking of Rehoboam, their Lord, even unto Rehoboam, king of Judah, and they shall kill me and go again to Rehoboam, king of Judah. So what does he do? Whereupon the king could counsel and made two calves of gold, and, and said unto them, It is too much for you to go up to Jerusalem. Behold thy gods, O Israel, which brought thee out of the land. And he set, he set up one golden calf at Bethel, um, and he set up another golden calf at Dan. Now let's just talk about this for just a moment. Number one, he changed the place of worship, which was in clear defiance of the command of the Word of God. Worship was supposed to take place, this especially worship in the tabernacle and later in the temple. Second, he changed the method of worship. He set up golden calves. This is the same thing that Aaron did while, the children, while, while Moses was up on the mount. He set up golden calf. Now, golden calf worship... Was it was intended to be sort of a Jehovah worship, but putting a an object, an image with this. This is one of the reasons why Christian worship for centuries 
for, for millennia has not wanted to make any image of God. And I'm talking about a picture of Jesus on a flannel graph. But we're talking about the idea of an image of God for use as a worship aid because that becomes idolatry. It becomes the worship of a thing rather than the worship of the invisible God who cannot be, it gives people a false picture of who God is. But he's for the sake of expedience changing even the very image of the object of worship. And, and he's doing this for political expedience. He's, he's defying the clear commands of Scripture. Now, why does he do it? Well, he does it for political power. You say, well, you understand this, we're Baptists here. One of the reasons I like to be called a Baptist, one of the reasons that we put the term Baptist in our name is since, the, since Baptists began, one of the, the distinctives of Baptists is the separation of church and state, that, that there should be no state church. Uh, and early in our, in our nation's history, and one of the reasons the Baptists believe that is because in Christian history, Baptists were persecuted and martyred by Protestants as well as Catholics because they refused to baptize babies. And so we start early in America's history and you have the Quakers in Pennsylvania and the Roman Catholics in, in Massachusetts and the, and the Church of England in Virginia and you have these various groups where you have official state churches, which is... Like that around the world, still in many places, you, ha you have um, the marrying of a political system and a religious system, which tends almost without exception to corrupt the religious system. Religion then becomes, and if you study European history, for instance, religion itself became a political tool. Many of the persecutions that occurred, occurred for political purposes. Nero didn't persecute the Christians because he was anti-Christianity. Nero persecuted Christians for political purposes, for his own political gain. And if persecution is coming even in the United States in the future, and I don't, at this point I don't see how it's not, it'll be about politics. Now, there's, there's a satanic reason. There's, there's always this satanic reason behind it. But it'll be about politics. And if there's anything we have learned from this particular election is our salvation doesn't come from a political leader. And I know Christians are all divided about this. I'm not going to get into that this morning. Here's, I do want to think one of the things that we need to do is look around because this is an opportunity. Um, you say, man, you know, both presidential candidates, we just have, just, just have such horrible presidential candidates. They reflect the people of this country. For the people of this country stand in judgment of the candidates, they need to look in the mirror. Now, what we as Christians need to be doing is looking around for the opportunities to share the gospel and reach people with the gospel because I do believe even in this political situation, it's going to give us opportunities. There are big people thinking, wow. I mean, once you, once you look at the candidates, you start, if you, you know, the Holy Spirit's working in the hearts, you start to see yourself. And so we ought to be doing that and seeing the opportunities to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
but our salvation. So, you know, here the problem is that worship became political. Just, just a second though. Okay, we're going to be really critical. All those people out there. Okay, let's come in here. Right? Because it's pretty hypocritical to be critical of everybody out there and not deal with our own house. So, should I, I have to be careful, that I, as a pastor here, right, don't do that which is politically correct in order to make people like me, right? You say, well, we're going to worship in a certain way so our church grows because this is what people want. Worship is not about what people want. Worship is about what God wants. One of our church members asked me years ago, he was just getting ready to join the church, and he said, okay, pastor, you you said you believe all of these things. What is going to keep you at some point in the future from changing what you believe in order to get more people in here? There's a couple of answers. There's one a pragmatic answer is this. It doesn't make much sense to change what you believe and lose everybody that agrees with you to gain people that don't. That's suicide. And I have seen church after church after church destroyed and disintegrated with that type of thinking. It doesn't work. But that's not the real reason, is it? The real reason is it doesn't matter whether we grow or not. And we ought, we ought to be trying to grow. We ought to be seeking to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We ought to be asking God to pour out a blessing. I don't mean to diminish that in any way. But this is all about pleasing Him. You talk about for political power. Here's another one, though. And this is the one that really touches us. So Jeroboam sets up golden calf worship in Bethel and Dan, right? And we know what his motivation is. His motivation is he doesn't want those people going back down to Judea to worship in the temple because if they go back down there, then their loyalties might switch and he could lose his life. But what does he tell them? It's all about you. That's what he tells them. Dr. Shaw will be back with more on the plans of Jeroboam to persuade the people to worship even false gods just so that they would unite with his tribes and not take his life. Stay tuned. You're listening to Dare to Stand with Dr. Kevin Shaw as we bring you a study on the subject of worship and a message today called Real Worship About the Heart, Part 2. Dare to Stand is a radio outreach of Northwest Valley Baptist Church. You can link to the church at daretostand.org. And now here's Dr. Shaw to talk a little bit about an addiction recovery ministry going on at his church. It's called Freedom That Lasts. Hello, this is Kevin Shaw. Are you or someone you know dealing with the agony of an addiction? You cannot change what you do until you let God change who you are. Freedom That Lasts is a discipleship ministry of Northwest Valley Baptist Church that applies the life-transforming principles of the gospel and Christian growth to the problems of life-dominating sins and addictions. All of this happens in an atmosphere of love and accountability. If you would like to know more information about this important ministry, give us a call at 623-581-3115 or visit our website at daretostand.org. Go to the homepage and click the Discipleship Connections button. Thank you, Dr. Shaw, and please contact Northwest Valley Baptist Church today for more details about the addiction recovery ministry called Freedom That Lasts. And now, let's get back to Pastor Shaw as he reads to us from the scriptures about Jeroboam, king of the northern tribes of Israel, 
and his attempt to manipulate the southern tribes into worshiping false gods with him and his people. Here's our teacher. Take a look. Whereupon the king took counsel, verse 28, and made two calves of gold and said unto them, It is too much for you to go up to Jerusalem. Behold thy gods, O Israel, which brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. And he set one in Bethel, and the other he put in Dan. In other words, he said, it's, it's too hard. You have to go up to Jerusalem. You say, wait a minute, they're in the north. How are they going up to Jerusalem? Well, that's because that's you're thinking about a map. You're not thinking about geography. Jerusalem was on the mountain range that provides a it's kind of a backbone down the, the map of Israel. And so when they were traveling from Galilee to Jerusalem, they'd be going uphill to Jerusalem. And so they would go up to Jerusalem. And to the Jew, it was, no matter where you were, it was up to Jerusalem. Jerusalem was the high place spiritually. The, Jerusalem was the high place physically. And so they went up to Jerusalem. But he said, listen, it's too hard to do all of that. Just relax. I, th- this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to make worship more convenient for you. I'm going to make it easier for you. Do you see where this is going? His appeal to Israel was personal comfort and laziness. Do you understand? This is very important for us to understand. Genuine worship is often hard and uncomfortable. Now that doesn't mean that we should you know, in our new building, do hard pews and make everybody uncomfortable sitting here. You understand? It's not what I'm saying. But we are very quick to choose that which is comfortable over that which is correct. We are very quick to choose that which is easy over that which is obedient. Now, one of the things that I'm always amazed at as I read this is, why did that work? Why, why did it work for him to say, well, you know, just, just worship in Bethel and worship there in Dan and here's a golden calf and this golden calf can be your God in place of Jehovah God. Why, why didn't somebody say, what, what, are you crazy? You can't do that. That's what Aaron did. Why didn't, why didn't somebody do that? And the reason is because these people in Israel at this point, were theologically ignorant. They didn't know enough of the old times. They didn't know enough of the Word of God. And because they didn't know the Word of God, they were susceptible to false teaching. By the way, the New Testament tells us this as well. Which is one of the reasons why. You hear people say, you know, we, we don't deal with all that doctrine stuff. Then you might as well abandon your faith altogether. Because doctrine is teaching. And if you don't pay attention to Bible doctrine, you are going to end up in false doctrine and false worship and you will abandon your faith altogether. And you had a, a whole generation, maybe, maybe numbers of generations in Israel, in the northern kingdom, of theologically, spiritually ignorant people. So that when Jeroboam comes and says, here's a golden calf worship here, here's a golden calf worship here, they say, okay, yeah. Sounds good. I look around me at what passes in the name of worship in the United States of America today, and I see no difference. You say, this is negative, Pastor. (laughs) Yeah, somebody needed to speak negatively that time too, didn't they? 
Shouldn't have somebody spoken up? There was somebody that spoke up. There was a prophet just in the previous chapter. We see that story. And of course, God spoke up. 1 Kings chapter 14, verse 8 and 9. At that time, verse 1, Abijah the son of Jeroboam fell sick. Jeroboam said to his wife, Arise, I pray thee, and disguise thyself, that thou be not known to be the wife of Jeroboam, and get thee to Shiloh. Behold, there is Ahijah the prophet, which told me that I should be king over this people. And take with thee ten loaves. So he doesn't want anybody to know who he is. God, it's funny, you can't disguise yourself before God. Yeah, have you figured that out? So Jeroboam's wife did so, verse 14. And she arose and she went to Silo and came to the house of Ahijah. And Ahijah could not see, for his eyes were set by reason of age. He's blind. But he's a prophet, and God speaks to him. Verse 5, And the Lord said unto Ahijah, Behold, the wife of Jeroboam cometh to ask a thing of thee for her son, for he is sick. Thus and thus shalt thou say unto her, For it shall be when she cometh in, that she shall feign herself to be another woman. And it was so, when Ahijah heard the sound of her feet, as she came in at the door, that he said, Come in, thou wife of Jeroboam, why feignest thyself to be another? For I am sent to thee with heavy tidings. You can't trick God, right? So what did God say to him? Go, verse 7, tell Jeroboam, thus saith the Lord God of Israel, for as much as I exalted thee from among the people, and made thee prince over my people Israel, and rent the kingdom away from the house of David, and gave it thee, yet thou hast not been as my servant David, who kept my commandments, and who followed me with all his heart to do that which only that only which was right in mine eyes. But thou hast done evil above all that were before thee, for thou hast gone and made thee other gods and molten images to provoke me to anger and hast cast me behind thy back. Here's the thing. Worship your way rather than God's way. God considers an insult. Isaiah chapter 1. We go a little further in Israel's history. In this particular case, the children of Israel were living wickedly in disobedience. Their personal lives were a mess. But they went on with the habitual effects effects of worship. We start in verse 2, and God through the prophet Isaiah describes the spiritual condition of the nation. He said, Hear, O heavens, and give ear, O earth, for the Lord has spoken. I have nourished and brought up children, and they have rebelled against me. You're in rebellion. The ox knows his owner, and the master, the ass his master's crib, but Israel doth not know. My people doth not consider sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity, a seed of evildoers, children that are corruptors. They have forsaken the Lord. They have provoked the Holy One of Israel unto anger. They are gone away backward. Why should you be stricken any more? Will you revolt more and more? The whole head is sick, and the whole heart faint. From the sole of the foot even to the head, there's no soundness in it, but wounds and bruises and putrefying sores. They've not been closed, neither bound up, neither mollified with ointment. His picture of Israel is this, is this, this person who is diseased and wounded from head to foot with those wounds oozing, and they're completely unaware. He describes them like Sodom and Gomorrah, and then he says in verse 11, to what purpose? What's the point of your worship? See, they were still going through worship. They're going through the sacrifices. They're doing all of this stuff, but it had become... It had become sort of uh, this kind of 
ritual where, you know, it's, it's like the mob boss who goes to mass on Sunday and, and shoots people on Monday. It doesn't even make sense anymore. But it's just, it's just habit. It's just tradition. And so um, what, what has happened? Well, God has been forgotten. They were treating their worship as if God didn't really exist and he didn't care. And a sinful heart, of course, is tolerated. It's sin, we're sin, we're all sins, no big deal, everybody sins. And worship rituals continue. But in this particular case, God says he hates it. Your new moons, your appointed feasts, my soul hates. They are troubling to me, I'm weary to bear them. Let's just stop a second. We can't shift our Christian life into autopilot. And this is a danger for us in this room. It's a danger for me. Hey, you get into a you know, habit because life can be habitual, right? Preach it on Sunday, get, start getting ready for the next message on Monday. Teach your various classes through the week. Go through the whole, you know, everything, you know, week after week after week, just doing the same thing. You kind of shift it into, into cruise control. Stop paying attention. Like the person that, you know, they've got cruise control, they're at the motorhome on the freeway, decide to go back and make a sandwich. Forget that somebody has to be driving this thing. Dr. Shaw will be back with a final thought about worship that God hates and how we need the cleansing power of true worship according to the Lord. Stay tuned. You're listening to Dare to Stand, a radio ministry outreach of Northwest Valley Baptist Church in Glendale, Arizona, where our teacher, Dr. Kevin Shaw, serves as senior pastor. Northwest Valley Baptist Church is located at 4030 West Yorkshire Drive in Glendale. That's just south of the 101 at 40th Avenue. Sunday worship service is at 930 a.m., Adult Bible studies and Sunday school for all ages are at 11 a.m., and Sunday evening service is at 6 p.m. Child care is provided for all services. Wednesday evening activities include prayer meetings, children's and teens programs. Northwest Valley Baptist Church also offers a quality traditional Christian education for your children, grades K-12, through at Arrowhead Christian Academy, located right on the church property at 40th Avenue and Yorkshire Drive. For more details about the church, kids' programs, this radio broadcast, or to register your kids for Arrowhead Christian Academy, please visit www.daretostand.org or call 623-581-3115. Dare to Stand is a listener-supported radio ministry of Northwest Valley Baptist Church. And if you enjoy listening to Dr. Shaw's teaching, please visit our website. Find out more about the church. Support Dare to Stand with a tax-deductible donation of any amount on our secure website at daretostand.org. Your donations help to keep Dr. Shaw on the air, and we gladly offer free MP3 copies of Dr. Shaw's teaching. We would be honored to minister to you personally and help you in any way we can. So please call the church at 623-581-3115 today. Join us for Sunday morning services this Sunday at 9.30 a.m. and Sunday evening discipleship at 6 p.m. And you can also listen to Dare to Stand Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. on this same radio station. I'm Celeste Montague. Join us again next time 
as we continue our study on the subject of worship called Worship is Remembering. And now here's Dr. Shaw with a closing thought. Join us next time for more right here on Dare to Stand. God hates disobedient worship. God hates manipulative worship. God hates habitual but artless worship. What kind of worship does God love? Well, he tells us right in this passage. God loves clean worship. Verse 16, wash you, make you clean. See, God wants us to come into worship with clean hearts. Or if we're unaware that we don't have clean hearts when we come into worship, we become convicted in worship and we cleanse our hearts as part of worship. Worship. 